Welcome to NARPM Radio, your source for property management practices and ideas to help your career, delivered to fit your busy schedule. NARPM Radio, get tuned in. All right, guys, so maintenance, the cardiac arrest of property management. I'm going to go through all of this. There will be time at the end for questions. This is a new class taught in a new forum, so I'm concerned with timing. So I'm going to start moving and we'll see to make sure that we can get through all the data. And if we leave extra time at the end, we can cover what we need to there. So, like I said earlier, cardiac arrest is a disturbance in electricity in your heart. But in the maintenance world, we believe that it is disturbance in your maintenance process. And we need to better understand what a sudden cardiac arrest is. And sudden cardiac arrest is a problem with policies and procedures. The maintenance world does not survive without some solid policy and procedures. Let's just continue to talk about sudden cardiac arrest in property management. It usually strikes without warning and it has fatal consequences. If we are not in control of this maintenance world, not only will we, we can very easily lose clients, lose deals, lose money, and if it really falls apart, we can lose our entire business. Most important thing to know about sudden cardiac arrest, it is completely preventable. So how are you going to survive because we know in this business, we're going to have our days where our, we're going to get a little heart palpitations. So that's what we're going to talk about and try to set this foundation for you. Here's a survival chain to prepare ourselves to get through the cardiac arrest of maintenance. We have to have accessibility, communication, follow-up, and accounting. And I'm going to cover each one of these subjects and address them in the maintenance world, kind of giving us just the foundations and, and dive in as much as I can with the time that we have. So first off, we have accessibility. We've gotta be available, but before we can be available, we gotta have some things in place and having written policies is critical. If somebody calls us up and we don't really sure how we're gonna deal, what we're gonna deal, when we're gonna deal with it, what the process looks like, you know, the fact that I answer the phone is nice, but it doesn't really help anything. Having written policies around this entire maintenance process, each stage of it is critical for your success. In that, we have to establish a maintenance request policy, and we have to communicate that to our tenants. How, where, and when is an individual gonna be able to make a maintenance request? As, as important as this is, if a tenant doesn't understand how and when you're gonna get requests in all kinds of forms that you can't control, you're going to miss them, and it can be devastating as to what happens. And then again, what does that lead to? We all know cardiac arrest, which we don't want. We should stress that we want all of these requests to be in writing. This has come back to help me in my business multiple times that I was able to go back and pinpoint the date and the time in which someone notified me that there was a problem and how I was able to respond to that problem. And you need to enforce this policy. There's, if you have maintenance policies that are out there, as much as a person calls in and says, well, I have this emergency, I mean, you can take the information, but make them submit it in writing, right? When you get away from your policy and you start to be inconsistent in how you're doing things, this is what starts to create the problems and cause the cardiac arrest that we don't want. 
having a written policy and making sure your tenant knows what and how they're going to do that. You know, the digital age, the automation, this has all been helpful, but you still have to have these things in place. The second part of this working, to make sure that not only we answer the phone, we know what we're gonna do is, we need to establish some priorities around how, and set some expectations about how are you going to deal with maintenance? Not all maintenance requests are the same. You cannot deal with them all equally the same. And you need to define what those things are and make sure that people know. And these are policies. These are areas you're going to write policies around. An example. This is just an example because you're all in different states and may have different requirements. But if we were to establish three sets of priorities around maintenance, our number one, we could call our emergency maintenance requests. These are things that need to be responded to within 24 hours or less. Very clearly, something that has to be done with right now, we need to be available to handle that. Maybe our urgent items are things that can be solved within a 72-hour response. Reasonable response to the tenant, not something that's going to cause danger to the house or the occupant of the property, but still something that needs to be addressed and addressed quickly, but also gives us time to decide how are we going to control that and deal with that. And of course, last might be cosmetic, right? Seven days, going to get this thing cured and solved in seven days. And maybe like right now, in this point in time, with COVID-19, maybe we've decided we're not going to deal with these at all right now and put them all on hold. But establishing what your priorities are and what falls into each one of these, all of us will be different, right? I mean, I would say that snow removal is nowhere on my list in San Antonio, Texas, but it probably fits in Liz Clayman's world and the houses that they manage up in Denver, Colorado, Somewhere under, I don't know, emergency. I have no idea. I have never ordered snow removal anywhere. But in your business, you know the things that come in and you need to define for yourself, for your staff, for your tenants, for your owners, and for your vendors, what are your established priorities and what is the expectation around completing these? When you have this set, it really just allows things to fall where they belong and to know what is priority and what is first. Because if you have a true emergency, everybody knows all hands on deck solve this problem, right? You've got to be reachable. This is the thing, right? We want to be property managers, but we don't want to talk to anybody. But, you know, so if you don't want to talk to anybody in your job, you got to get bigger, smarter, or outsource things. Because to be reachable, we're talking about 24-7. Maintenance requests don't stop. 365 days a year. You want a maintenance request to happen? Take a break, take a vacation, go out of town. Guarantee you all kinds of crap's gonna happen and everybody and their mother's gonna wanna talk to you, right? So that's you or it's your staff or you can find a way to outsource this thing. There's a lot of options for us today, a lot more than when I first started. When I first started this thing, I had a book. It had all my owners' names, all my tenants' names, all their phone numbers, all my vendors' names, and I carried it everywhere I went because we didn't have computers back then. And when I wanted a vacation, I handed the book to my brother, and he answered all the phone calls because that's the only way you could deal with this. Today, it's very different. But you have to understand that as you're looking at this, if you want to be successful, if you want to be healthy and not have a heart attack, we have to be reachable and prepared. And then now, we've told people how to reach us. We make sure we're accessible all the time. We have some policies in place. We've set some priorities. But if you don't have a set of vendors or staff who are available to be dispatched to solve every single problem you can imagine, right now, you're going to 
run into problems. You have to have your emergency. And as you establish those items that are in your emergency priorities, you should make sure you have 24-7 reachability, people who will go out after hours that you can reach very easily. Having your set of vendors, and in some cases, backup vendors, right? And maybe even third-time backup vendors because of the volume, because of your size, or because of the fact that it is an emergency. What is going to happen when you call your greatest vendor of the world and he's not available? right? And some of us has run into those issues right now. I have the greatest appliance repair guy ever. And that's a hard guy to go find a guy who actually just go fix an appliance. But he's 60 plus years old. And he called us and said, I'm not going into any occupied houses during this COVID-19 thing. Boom. I don't have a vendor in an area that I never had a problem with before. Had to solve that problem. This is a forever problem solving issue. NARPM vendors are great, but you have to just continue to know what's going on. Know that you have to be accessible if you want to survive this world of, of property management maintenance. The second thing is communication. Communication is key. It is so key. People are freaking out left and right, but not if you communicate well with them. And we have a huge crowd. In property management, I think maintenance is more about communication than it is about fixing anything. That's how important it is. If you can master this piece of it, you will really enjoy being a property manager. Your heart will beat properly. You will not be worrying about things. Know that this is a never ending part of it. So let's talk about the things. Well, we got a couple of people we got to communicate with. First and more, most importantly is the tenant. You've got to let your tenant know that you have their request, that they are in the queue, that they are being dealt with. Because tenants freak out and think that you won't. And we need to communicate well with our tenants because ultimately that, they're going to be the ones that beat us up online if they feel like we're not treating them well. They're the ones that are going to tell us if things are actually happening. You can't drive around to every house and find out if everything's been fixed. You've got to have a relationship with your tenant. If you establish a great form of communication with this tenant right up front, they know that you've gotten their thing, that you're dealing with it. You wanna update them when a vendor has been dispatched and you can kind of hand over the communication to that vendor during this period of time if you're watching it. But if they know someone's calling them, they know who it's going to be, they feel like you're really taking care of them. And you can kind of separate yourself from your vendor a little bit. And then you, you have to be the one responsible to ensure that they know if there are issues or changes or problems that are going to stop that vendor from getting there and curing that problem or from even people getting there and curing the problem, whatever it might be. It is our responsibility to keep our tenant updated and communicated. And then finally, we want to follow up with them to ensure this thing has actually been fixed. Just because they're not calling doesn't mean that everything's okay. And they're the one that called in the problem. They're the one living in the property. Communication with the tenant is key because they're the ones that's going to keep you cued into whether things are working well. You've got to communicate with your owner. And I would say in this case, you have to over communicate with your owner. We've tried to, and there's people out there, I don't ever want to talk to my owner. That doesn't mean I have to talk to my owner to communicate. I can send a no reply email built into my system out to every owner every time a maintenance request is made. There's lots of ways to automate this. I, like, I call it a little game of tag. Owner, some, your tenant calls in something about your house, tag your it. Don't ask me anything, I don't know anything yet. But guess what? You know that I'm working on something. I've let you know, it won't be a surprise later, right? And they can follow along and figure out what's going on with this. 
Your owners, as I've watched over the years, owners fire property managers over maintenance more than anything there is out there. When I bring on a new owner and they have left someone, it is the number one reason why they leave them. So I have always said, this is an area we have to let them know about. They have to know what's going on. Doesn't mean I have to spend hours on the phone talking to them, but I need to communicate with them what's happening. I need to notify them every time something's going up, going on with their property. Even if it later ends up being a tenant problem that the tenant pays for, when the owner sees that I'm doing that work for them, they know why they've hired me. They know why they need a property manager. And if you get into that routine, they're not going to freak out just because you're telling them something's going on in their house. Now, we all know some owners are going to freak out. Some owners freak out no matter what you do. But that's okay. You'll deal with them as well. But I would say good quality survival of this cardiac problem here is to over-communicate, tell them what's going on, provide them the invoice about this, whether they're paying it for it, the tenant's paying for it, you got vendor to go back and fix it for free because it was covered under warranty, whatever it is. Make sure you communicate that with your owner and you do it before they get their monthly statement and their proceeds for that month. The last thing you really want your owners, the communication about the maintenance done in their house, the first time they ever hear about it is in their monthly statement. That is going to cause you a heart attack. And make sure that you hold your tenants accountable that the things that they do and you let the owner see that that's happening. You know, in the past, we would do things. Oh, it's a tenant problem. I fix it. I don't even tell the owner about it. I know about it. I go get it cured. When the owner doesn't know the things you're doing for them, they start to lose your, you start to lose value as to why an owner should keep you employed. So in the world of communication, owner, of course, very important, especially in this maintenance world. But then you've got your, your vendors in this process. We've got to communicate with all these parties at the same time. Right up front, you got to define your expectations with your vendors. What do you expect from them? Their response time, what they're going to charge you, you know, how they'll be good at communicating, photos before and after, documentation, timeline, using your software system, using your third-party systems, whatever those things are, when you define those things and you communicate those with your vendors up front, makes for a much more efficient process. You need to provide the information to the vendors in advance to allow them to be as good a vendor for you as possible. They need to know how to contact this tenant, what's the best way to have that information, what is the item that's going on, what's going wrong with it. The more information you give them, sometimes they know, oh, I have an idea what it is, let me make sure I bring all the proper parts and tools so on my very first visit I can cure the problem. If we don't provide all the information we possibly can to our vendors, then we're just creating the opportunity that when they get to the house, they can't fix it. And you're gonna be in the middle of notifying the tenant and the owner and following up with the vendor that much more. And then we've got to compensate these vendors as quickly as possible, you know, and you have to figure out what that window looks like based on your company. But these guys survive off of getting paid. And when you want them to meet your expectations, I bet you their number one expectation for you is not only one, give them business, but number two, make sure they get paid. You'll find out you'll get much better results and much willing vendors when they know they can count on getting paid by you. You will be begging for their help in the future, you build credit 
for those times that you need them to go above and beyond for you by doing little things like making sure that they're a priority and who you make sure gets paid. So that when the time comes for you to call and say, I really need some help in this circumstance, or I'm gonna have to eat this expense, what's the best price you can give me? They're gonna remember the business you've given them. They're gonna remember how important you put them about how they got paid. So don't forget those things. Their biggest way to communicate with these vendors is giving them jobs and paying them. So the third stage in this is follow-up. So if we've established things well, our tenants know how to turn in a request and to do it properly. We've established some priorities around this. We're communicating well with all the people going on. We can't just tag someone and say our job is done, right? call came in, I handed it to the HVAC guy, I'm done, until you find out you're not. And then boom, right? That preventable heart pain starts to come in again because everything is going wrong. The only way you're going to know that things are going well in this world is you have to follow up with all of these people at different times at the appropriate times. First and foremost, once you've handed this thing over to that vendor, you have got to continually follow up with what is happening and make sure this thing gets resolved. Vendors can be great and generally are not forever. The best ones grow and they get too busy and then they start to fail or they start stop realizing how to run a business because when it was just them, they were on top of it. They always told you it was going on, but as they were good, they're gonna get bigger. Not everybody can run a bigger business. And you're going to get trapped in the middle of this at times. And so the only way you can be sure that things are going well with your vendors is you got to follow up what is going on. Now, you can do that. There's automation around this. I'm not going to get into all that. I'm just talking about foundations. We have to know that our vendors are taking care of the work orders that are out there. And we, it is our responsibility to make sure that all of those things are getting done, scheduled to be done, have been done, right? Well, with a tenant, we've got to follow up then when issues come up, when a vendor can't get there, when something has changed, when a priority comes up, when they get moved, whatever, right? We called out to all of ours and said, okay, for cosmetic issues, we're, we're just simply not going to go out and solve them. We let all our tenants know and they were all fine with it. But if we hadn't communicated that and followed up with those items that we weren't going to finish, they, they wouldn't know and they would be upset. When there are things that change with that work order, we have to make sure that tenant understands. And sometimes that's the changing of vendors, right? Vendor who said they were gonna do it isn't following up with you. Might be I have to send somebody different. We've gotta keep that tenant notified of what's going on. And we've gotta follow up simply to make sure that the issue has been resolved completely. And it's a great way to find out what exactly, what did they do? How long were they at your house, right? How did they leave the place? How did they treat you and the, and, and the property while they were there? This is a great way to understand, let this tenant understand, you care about the repairs and the property, but all you're really doing is checking on your vendors and letting them be part of that process. You've got to follow up with your owners. The owner now, you've tagged them, right? There's something going on with my property. Well, sometimes you've got to follow up because you need their approval. This is the follow-up that they don't want. They don't want you calling and asking because that means the price point has gotten above a certain level and now you've got to spend more of their money. Never forget in this process with the owner, you're spending their money. They should know what's going on with that. When there are issues or changes in the process, they need to hear that from you. You don't want them hearing it from others because you're the one who's managing their property. 
You got to follow up them before they see that monthly statement. I can't tell you how important that is. When they know that there was a repair done, whatever it was, and they've seen it go all the way through, and they've seen the final bill, and they know it's going to come out of their next statement, or you're sending them a request to make a payment, they need to see that from you as early as possible. It just allows them to stay informed. That is the final part of that follow-up with that owner. Know how important it is to get through and follow up with each of these stages. As you're communicating through the process, the same three people, you gotta make sure you follow up with them to the end of each one of these work orders. And the last piece is accounting, right? If Maintenance is the heartbeat. Accounting is that blood that's pumping through and, and it's a limited supply sometimes. So we have to make sure that an owner knows. We are spending their money in this process. And so transparency is the most important word in the accounting around the maintenance. So let's establish if you're gonna have a markup or an oversight fee or any kinds of funds built around this, you should not be doing maintenance for free out of your property management agreement. You really shouldn't be. If you are and you're still profitable, good for you. But you're doing a lot of additional work that you're not doing for every owner every month. And that's kind of the way I've always looked at it. If I do the same thing for every single house, every single month, that's management of that house. Things that happen outside of that, there should be some revenue that generates that additional work. Maintenance is not done on every single house every month. Therefore, there should be some other way to pay for that. How you do that should be established right up front. When an owner understands what their costs are going to be, including the cost of your time, up front, it's not an issue when they see it later. Make it clear. Don't be ashamed of your value of doing that extra work for them. But make sure everyone's on track, then it doesn't become an issue. Provide invoices on all the work you do. Everything you do, even invoices in which you have gotten your vendor to do it for free. Don't not provide that to the owner. Just show the price, show it zeroed out, didn't cost the owner anything. Show the invoice for the work to the owner that the tenant had to pay for, that you held accountable for. The owner needs to see the work that's being done on their property and needs to see the work you're doing for them. Better justifies the fee that you've already established in here. And I think that today, photos are an extremely important part of accounting. When I get a photograph of the problem and a photograph of the solution and a bill that comes with it, it's a lot easier for me to pay for something that I didn't get to see myself because in the best way possible, I can see there was a problem and now there's not in photographic evidence. And it's easy for us to do this now and provide this information before you take their money. Do not let them find out. And I've repeated this three times because this is the thing that's really going to cause the, the cardiac arrest. When an owner hears nothing about you spending their money until after you've already spent it all, time for a heart attack. So the survival change. We have to be accessible. We've got to have policies in place to do it. We've got to communicate well with everyone. We have to follow up until we know that everyone knows what's going on until this thing is done and we have to account for these ex account for these uh, four things extremely well man great presentation brian thank you so much so one question what system do you use for automation and this is an app folio user if that's relevant so i use property meld in my business 
And it has been, and I've done many, many, many things all the way back to the notebook that I kept track of all my maintenance on. Property Meld has helped go along with all of these things that we've talked about. It's helped automate this. It gives you an ability to actually follow that communication chain and that follow-up chain on all these items. I think in a very, just a very efficient and useful way that you can get to very easily and it's worked very efficiently for us. And we've you know, we got a pretty sizable amount. We're probably running two to 300 maintenance invoices on a monthly basis. And I think we actually lowered the number of invoices as we got into this through property mail, because what we stopped is people making more than one request because we're curing things an efficient way the first time. Excellent. How do we require the 24 seven contact maintenance while, while also in writing? One of the things when they do it, it, through property mail, that is the writing aspect. So they make their written request into a system that is available and maintained. Now it's not managed necessarily 100% by my personal staff. I've outsourced to individuals who utilize it and follow the same policies that we've set up and use the same vendors that we set up. So there's ways to do this and still maintain that writing. You need that trail of information to protect yourself as you go solve these problems. When maintenance causes damage to property, who's responsible? The owner doesn't want to be responsible. The tenant wants to be responsible. Everybody wants to point fingers at you. Your paper trail is what keeps you out of trouble most of the time. Do you have a dollar amount, Brian, where you contact the owner? Or what is your owner communication around maintenance requests or owner approval? So we contact our owners on everything. We use the three priorities that you have there. And, and I have a $500 authorized limit and I have $500 in owner reserve. So I'm prepared on every single property to go spend $500 any given month on things that are coming in. We notify the owners on 100% of the things. Notify, tag your it. But then we go to work. If it's a priority one, we've already let all of our notice up front that our policy is we're going there, we're fixing it right up front. There's no playing around. And if I got to get to you or get things, we deal with those. But while we're there, especially, and that means even if it's over my price point limit, we've gotten them to agree to that in writing. If it's a priority two, the urgent ones, if it's under that price point, it's being fixed while we're there. Cosmetic, we don't fix anything unless um, we have their approval. We pretty much establish those three things. We let, our, we let our owners know that. But we tell the owners on everything up front just through an email, just tag their it and a follow-up email as to what has happened with that. And that may be that we fixed the problem, they cost $300 and here's the copy of your invoice. You'll see the money coming out in your next statement. Awesome. Brian, thank you so much for all your preparation and your gifts to the industry go back many years and many ways. But thanks for what you contributed here today. Thanks for listening to NARPM Radio. For more details on today's subject, refer to the show notes or visit narpum.org slash radio, and we'll see you next time on NARPM Radio.